0: Crossroads is a church for people journeying toward thriving faith in Jesus. We covenant to help people move people through our four objectives. By helping you, your neighbors, and friends discover Jesus by being a vibrant worshiping community that is a trusted presence in Greater Baltimore. By making it simple to belong to our church family. By assisting you to identify your unique role to play in God's story and by offering support as you develop a personal faith that functions and serves in today's world. This is our mission. Together, we
1: will help many people, including you and your family, flourish through life's crossroads.
0: Good morning, Pastor Jake.
2: Good morning, Tim. How are you doing? I'm
0: doing pretty good. I'm so excited about continuing our conversation around Advent. And uh, this week's guest really, really got me excited.
2: Me too. It was exciting to hear um, a perspective from an academic about someone who has a similar background growing up in a church that didn't quite practice Advent. But Christmas season and the busyness of Christmas season And so it was fun to hear, you know, his background, his story, his practice in psychology, and then moving towards theology. And it's a fun episode.
0: Absolutely. Just for context, for those of you listening, this is my former professor in two different programs. His name is Doug Hardy. He's Canadian originally. He has some roots in the Northeast and now teaches in Kansas City. And uh, when I first met Doug, I didn't get him at all. I had no idea what he was talking about, why he was leading us through these spiritual practices I'd never heard of. And in the end, the more and more I leaned in and trusted him, the more and more he helped me find Christ in places I I didn't even know to look for.
2: Yeah, um, I've heard stories about how quirky he is, but sometimes it's helpful to have someone with a different perspective that shakes you outside of your norms in such a way that you can see things from a new perspective.
0: Absolutely and uh yeah he's just he's just a great 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 guy great great teacher and listening to him think through things that that could be a way to uh draw nearer to Christ in the season as we head towards Christmas and and wait through advent and the way he he helps us think about um patience and longing and then also lament uh yeah. which which is so, sort of a lost christian art i think but invites us to take all of our frustrations that we have especially in a year like this and just be honest about them before God as a spiritual practice that was moving mm-hmm. to
2: me yeah um there's not much space for lament i mean if you if we were to go through our worship songs over the last 6 weeks and we look at how many songs are songs of praise or praising God for what God has done or songs of reflection I don't know if we could point to one that is a song of lament or if you were to look at the CCM top 100 um, songs of like, this sucks don't get a lot of clicks. It's true, but it's necessary for our formation and Christian walk.
0: Yeah. And and it probably uh, in the right season speaks more to what we're really feeling. Yeah. And uh, sometimes I I've known um, I've known good friends who have experienced death in their life or miscarriage or yeah. um a uh, loss of job and coming around a happy church is hard in that season
2: it is like there's some times where you just don't want to be happy and i think there's good news in that because um, when we read scripture especially if you go to like the uh, the psalms you see um raw honesty of how i am not okay and god and being honest with god about not being okay and in the midst of being honest and sharing what is actually going on, um, healing can begin.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So and so, there's some practical ideas in this episode. Um, there, there's, there's. We just walk through why it is we should celebrate Advent, how it is we could celebrate Advent. He gives a couple of two minute ideas, which I think are just great practices. Right? I mean, yeah, like- you
2: could do anything for two minutes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so my hope is is that uh, that you lean into this uh, episode and um, and learn something from it And before we get started I, I want to make sure that you know that that Doug has been to our congregation, our church before. Jake, I don't even know if you know this but within about one calendar year ago he was here leading district pastors in how to help help disciple their congregation and he actually, uh, recorded a radio episode for Moody Hmm. Radio in your office. No way. Before you got here with Ed Stetzer. Okay. So Doug has been (laughs) here. He knows this congregation. He knows this church. And he even told me before we recorded that he had in mind our hallways and our gym and our, our building as he was thinking about giving these, uh, these ideas. And That's so, cool. yeah, just sort of embodies and helps us lean into a person that we may not know, but knows us just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And we hope that helps as you lean into this episode. Well, hello, and welcome to our Crossroads podcast. Through Life's Crossroads. Today with me, I have a friend of mine and a former professor, Dr. Doug Hardy. Doug, it's great to have you here.
1: It's great to be here, Pastor Tim. Thank you so much. Excellent. You were my uh, professor through two different degrees that I took, the first
0: being my Master of Divinity and second, my uh, Doctor of Ministry. And so um, we're going we're gonna to make sure that you don't have too much time to tell bad stories about me to the people that I pastor. <laughs> But you've known me since I was pretty young, and uh, seen uh, seen some develop in
1: my life. And I thank you for that, the work that you've done to to help me. Well, you're most welcome. You were a glutton for punishment, taking two degree programs where I taught. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) But I, I, you know, I I enjoyed it so much, and feel like um, I I didn't
0: just become a pastor there, but but a person and a man, and and uh, and really a follower of Christ in in new and fresh ways. So both times that I went through the programs, and so I will always be indebted and thankful for my time at seminary.
1: That's the best part of education, isn't it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's the ways in which it forms us to be the people we are. That's right, and so your particular discipline at the seminary is that you teach spiritual formation, and um, you've not always done that. I'll invite you to talk just a little bit about um, what it is you've studied and your academic career, what you've done to this point, but uh, I was telling you earlier that um, you, you were the first professor I ever had in seminary, and in this spiritual formation class, I, I read all the time now, I'm, I'm almost 40 years old, I read criticisms of seminaries across America, and it seems to me the most common one is that people want to say they went to seminary and they learned church history and theology, and they did nothing in their experience to grow spiritually in that time. And my experience couldn't have been but the opposite at NTS. Mm-hmm. And, and really, um, it, it's not solely down to you, but I think it's your programs and classes that make sure that it's weaved into our study of history and theology and church practice. And when I had that first class with you, I was definitely among the ones who had shown up with a bachelor's degree in theology and thought, what is going on here? I am I am here to learn theology. Sign me up for Bart. Sign me up for uh, Augustine. What is going on here? And um, we'll cover this a little bit, but for me, learning, learning new practices of how to grow nearer to Christ mm. and, and, and opening up a world that I had not experienced before with you in class shaped me to continue to grow in Christ. And I'll be ever, forever indebted to you for showing me those things. And um, and I'm so thankful that that you've joined this conversation with my church to share some of those things you've learned along the way with them. Well,
1: and I am indebted too, because it was uh, two of my predecessors at the seminary, Morris Weigelt and D. Freeborn, who as professors there in the early 1990s, first introduced spiritual formation courses into the curriculum. And they really helped establish a climate there at the seminary that um, more intentionally affirmed that coming to seminary is not just to learn about God, but it's to learn to know God. Yes.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I'm thankful for that heritage for sure. And I'm sure you've seen some of these conversations as well. People call seminary cemetery because it mm-hmm. killed the faith mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Man, I'm thankful to have a seminary in our in our church that um, that does not that does not make that mistake. Thanks be to God, absolutely. And so you come you come to seminary not in a, a traditional way. A lot of your <laughs> yeah. colleagues were professors at, of church history before they became a seminary professor, right. or professor of theology, or a pastor. Yeah. Um,
1: your 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 path was a little different, could you tell us a little bit about that absolutely so so I was brought up in Eastern Canada, uh, the province of New Brunswick wow. uh, is where I grew up in a little Nazarene church there, and in many ways a part of a district um, and expression of the Church of the Nazarene that was you know kind of on the periphery a little bit you know not not close to the center of power denominationally. And so I I really just grew up uh, in a church and in a context with pretty ordinary, simple folk, but people who had a real heart and passion to know God and then to be able to share that knowledge with others. And that had a deep impact on me. When I went off to college, that's when I first began to be introduced to the world of education, although my parents were both had backgrounds in teaching, so I was familiar with that role. And uh, as I found God's calling in my own life to really be drawing me towards learning more through formal education, I ended up being drawn not only to an interest in theology, but also especially to psychology. So my first uh, graduate uh, programs were actually in the field of psychology and counseling. And then for my doctoral work, I ended up, uh, focusing on psychology of religion, wow. the interface between, uh, how, what we know about who God is and how God operates and how we as human beings have been made and how we operate and then the intersection of the two. So, um, so that got me into the world of counseling a little bit. And I was, uh, Uh, Teacher at Eastern Nazarene College. Many of your folks there at the church have connections to ENC and know about that school. And I taught in the psychology department there for about 13 years. Wow. Um, Where you picked up a Boston Celtics habit, right? Oh, uh, all the Boston sports teams. All the really kind of uh, I kind of adopted them all. Now I can hear all my Baltimoreans booing you and I at this. Well, point. Well, but... and I appreciate that. <laughs> I you know. I uh, let's just say I I understand the value of loyalty. Yes, yeah, so that's right. To your that's team, right. and yes. that can happen no matter where you live. Absolutely. <laughs> well, f- fantastic.
0: Well, the particular work that we have in front of us today is is considering the uh, second Sunday of Advent. Mm. And um, I, I certainly arrived at seminary all those years ago without a, um, a personal history or connection with Advent. Advent, to me, was simply uh, a calendar where maybe there was a piece of chocolate my sister and I needed to share. Mm-hmm. Or occasionally, we would light the, the wreath at church and have some sort of mm-hmm. reading of but I, I, just, I just didn't understand it in t- at all in terms of a church practice, a, um, mm. a, a season of um, uh, prayer, discernment, uh, waiting, hope. Um, I, I didn't understand any of that sort of stuff, and and of course, I think, I think most people when they come to an understanding of of different things in the church calendar, but but especially Advent um i've seen a lot of people lean into it at this at this time um even in the evangelical church if they didn't grow up catholic or mainline liturgical there yeah. there's something about it that is captivating if you come to understand it um and it you know i i don't think it's mandatory for the christian life so if it's if it's not something that you're leaning into i don't you know i don't hold that against you but but many people find joy in it yes. um I, 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 I suppose uh, it'd be interesting to ask you well, what does Advent meant to you, and um, has this been something like me that you've developed an understanding of into adulthood, and um, and, and what does that look like in in your life, your church's life, um, and sure.
1: how's it? Been? Yeah, well, it definitely has been a later later in life thing for me as well. So. Um, in the In the church that I was raised in um, advent would not have been a word that was we were even familiar with, and so it's something that uh, I've come across uh in my own learning across the years but but you know i think I think the reason why there are many Nazarene churches and other evangelical churches now that are are observing some form of advent. I think the reason is because there's been a sense. That we want something more um, what what the what the commercialized secular culture gives us at Christmas is not satisfying, yeah, so there's a sense we need more, and even within the life of the church, you know um, I, I remember uh, especially growing up being a kid in the church, there was always the Christmas play. <laughs> Yeah. You know, the choir prepared a special musical. So when you hit December, you know, there was this flurry of activity to prepare and get ready for these big Christmas church events, which were really very special and had a lot of impact. But there was often this sense of it came and went so quickly. And so, as Christians and as as members of churches, there's there's often just this sense: there's got to be more than this, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, so I think that has opened us up to understand that oh, this Christian tradition of observing Advent kind of expands our experience of yeah, of Christmas in the faith.
0: That's really helpful to hear that too, because um, I. I don't think I hear it as much anymore. Certainly, don't hear it in 2020. But just pastorally, I would, I would hear people talk about their exhaustion in December. Yes. One more party, one yeah. more kids event. One, you know, and um, uh, yeah. It's really interesting to think about. Maybe one of the reasons that it's landing is because it's 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 something that's meaningful, but not something that demands more exhaustion out of you or more <laughs> busyness.
1: Quite that's the right. opposite. Yes, and in fact, if if Advent. And the observance of Advent just becomes another thing to do if it just adds more stuff to check off on our to-do list, or becomes more demanding, we're, we're not going to be drawn towards it. We're, we're probably not going to stay with it. But the good news is that the tradition of Advent practices actually prepare. God's people to be more ready to celebrate and live into the good news of Christmas.
0: Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. And, um, and, and I, I do find that people appreciate that. I, I also would say that, um, there's something, there's something, um, maybe I say less terrifying about the way we talk about the second coming in Advent
2: mm-hmm.
0: and some of the, um, 70s, 80s, and 90s sort of motif of FIFA in the night and uh, this sort of like great fear of the day of the Lord. Where am am I right? Am I okay? But there's some, the Advent thinks about the second coming in a way that's sort of saying, "Here are my anxieties and fears, and I place it before the one who will return, and yes. and hope that we find find love and hope and joy and peace that come over that as opposed to fear and checks and. Yep. And 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 that invitation, I think, is is a is a much healthier, um, you know. I was just talking about this with someone today. Like, we we don't need to erase the idea of God's judgment from Scripture, but we also don't need to overemphasize it as something to the point that it draws us into fear, only. Right? Advent invites us into into more of an excitement and an anticipation, if you will, uh, for for the second coming.
1: It does. It also it also reconnects us with our deep identity as God's people across the centuries and across cultures. So, um, you know, you, you've been naming some great feeling words (laughs) that I think are really important to explore during Advent. You know, our, our hopes, our fears, you know, our anxieties, our longings, our desires, that, that's the territory of Advent. And as Christians, even though the focus of Christmas is Jesus Christ, right, mm-hmm. um, our identity and heritage as Christians includes our connection to God's people, Israel, and therefore our valuing of the Old Testament as a a still vital part of the whole scriptural witness. Yeah. So, Advent is, is a really good time before Christmas to tap into those great Old Testament passages that alert us and remind us again of the centuries of longing and waiting for the Messiah. Yeah, absolutely, and um, just just
0: pastorally, when people are hurting, they're we, at their absolute worst, we'll eventually get to questions of what we call technically theodicy: Why mm-hmm. would God not act on my behalf? Why would God let yeah. this happen to me? Yeah. And those are good questions. They are. Advent is is a season where we're reminded that we're not alone in those questions, That's because. Right. There's no good answer that we're going to come up with in 2020 as to why God waited 400 years between testaments to speak once more and his word be Jesus Christ, as we're told in John. Yep. There's no good answer for why God waits 400 years in the way we tell time. Yeah. And the news that he brings is the best news that we've ever heard. And he does it on the back end of 400 years of silence. We can't answer that question, but remembering that I think can help us wrestle with the questions of of waiting that we have now. Why won't God cure this cancer? Why why won't God take my dad who's suffering? Why 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 did God let my child die? You know, all these questions are yeah. terrible. It doesn't answer it, but it reminds us that we're grafted into a story where where God has made people wait before for answers. But the answer is Jesus. And when when that
1: appears, that's right. We give new lenses to see it all. Yes. So so maybe we could say that um, uh, a fundamental biblical theology that underlies the observance of Advent is this. We believe in a God who comes again and again and again. But we do not control how and when God comes. Mm, That's perfect. Therefore, our trust in God, our faith, is not based on certainty around all the specifics, but rather a confidence that it's okay to keep waiting. It's okay to long. And to desire and to hope,
0: absolutely. And the wonder of this is that it's it's practicing these um, these dispositions, which sort of leads me into into one of the things I want to talk to you about. It, particularly because of um, what it is that you teach and um and and how you've shaped so many ministers in our tradition to to think about practices. Um, if we become a people, you don't come to these realizations that that you're just talking about simply. reading the bible i suppose you can but it takes real life to learn to trust Mm -hmm. god as well it's one thing to read that god is trustworthy and that god has been trustworthy to the forefathers of our faith it's another thing to practice trust and to embody it
1: it is Mm -hmm.
0: and i think there are so many ways for us to um to do the work and of practicing our faith and advent for me is an invitation to do just this, and so one of the things that I want to consider uh, for the people listening to this are are different practices that we can undertake in a season of advent that may be different than um, than than some of the things that some of our people are already doing. I know I find that um, I like variety, and so just doing yeah. the same thing over and over and over begins to feel mundane to me sure. I also mentioned that i'd talk a little bit about some of my story of having you in class <laughs> and um, and, and what I learned personally, I, I'm wired to be just an unbelievable extrovert. I'm just almost off the charts, extroverted. And when I arrived in seminary, I still could hear my pastors of my youth talking about the way to grow as a Christian is to read your bible and go into a closet and pray and spend as long as you can in silence before god and i, I listen that's that's a great practice that's a, like everyone should make an effort at that with some regularity but it was the only way that was ever explained to me as a, as a child or teenager to grow closer to god and having class with you i i, I did i did say it was weird to me i was there for theology, why are we doing these different things? Why are we singing together? Why are we, um, why are we praying in front of a candle? Why are we talking about um, our personalities and how that has to do with growing in faith? Why are we doing these things? And what I learned was that there were so many more practices than just solitude and quiet. And what that's invited me as an adult to do is to, is to um, try the things that are hard for me uh, for example, um, I was in a class with you one time and you brought us to a, a monastery. And I I whined to my wife, I whined to my colleagues back at my church, I probably whined to you about having to go to do it because I did not want to sit at a monastery for three days. <laughs> but I was open to um, to the practice, and and I ended up feeling filled by the presence of God by subjecting myself to something different. Mm. And, um, and God met me in a place I was hesitant for, but you need people in your life who are going to expose you to things that are different in order to find that you're capable of hearing God in these ways. And so I ask you, and this is a huge question and we don't have time to get to every last one, but in a season of Advent for a people who have not practiced Advent, maybe most of their life. Uh, what are some concepts of spiritual practices that may be helpful for people in a season of Advent to open themselves up to some of these theological things we've talked about in new ways, even if they're you know, an old dog teaching them new tricks? Yeah. What, are, what are some practices that, that you have found impactful for people in a time like Advent?
1: Yeah, well, thank you again, Tim, just for sharing from your own journey. And I think uh, a lot of people who are listening uh, to us in this podcast, we'll be able to relate to the, the challenge and the struggle sometimes of finding meaningful disciplines and practices that can truly connect us to God. Yeah. And, and one of the things that we all of us need <clears throat> is for the practices to be embodied. That is, we need to, we need to find f- ways of uh, getting not just our, our mind and our thinking. But our actual physical self engaged and involved uh, with as many of the senses as we can. Yeah. Right. This is one of the reasons I've always loved sports, is because you have
0: to be yeah. thinking on the field, but you're you're making you're you're, you're training your body to match your ability this is why I love sports. I love playing, but, but see, you're talking about that as one of these ways that it helps me move into the spiritual realm to understand the things that I've loved sports also, also can be done in its own
1: way to draw me nearer to Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me make a couple of suggestions and, and I'd certainly welcome for you, Tim, to jump in and, and add uh, to things that come to your mind as well. Um Let me suggest as a a starting place, I think it's helpful during Advent to have a practice or two that helps you focus. One one of the hard things about observing Advent in our culture is that um, end of November through December can be one of the busiest times of the year right? So so our attention is being drawn all over the place. We're, we're very active. And, and, and that can be, that can lead to us feeling very fragmented or harried. And even though in this unusual year of 2020, with all of the COVID pandemic restrictions, even though we may not be physically getting out and about to as many things as we used to nonetheless just managing all the new demands and challenges of life in our homes online with computer technologies you know all of those things are also demanding high levels of attentiveness on our part and can leave us feeling very weary and fragmented so So a a good Advent practice is to have a simple thing that you can do every day during Advent that will allow you to stop, to pause, breathe deeply, and just refocus on receiving God's grace. One one of the great ways to do it, you already mentioned this, but I'll, I'll uh, uh, agree and emphasize is just lighting a candle. Um, many churches, maybe you do it there uh, at Crossroads, is uh, Advent candles on the Sundays in Advent. Yep. and But that's a great thing to do in your homes as well. So to have to have some candles, Advent candles, and just each day Um maybe you know um evening is often a good time to do that, maybe sitting down for the evening meal or whatever, and it's it's at this time of year it's it's dark outside, right? Yeah, to just light a candle and to and to take one to two minutes for just quiet looking at the candle. So it is observing silence, but but you're 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 looking at something, and as you see that flame. Letting that be a reminder of God's gracious presence with you, uh, a light that has been present in the world across all time, across all cultures, but often has been hidden, a light that we haven't always seen or recognized, and we we want to see the light that is coming into our world right now, that little candle can be a, a sign and a reminder of hope yeah that's
0: great too, because you're inviting people into a two minute practice of focusing very on the simple of god and and I think we're often conditioned to think that if we're going to focus on god we've we've got to you know read ten chapters of the Bible and <laughs> pray for everyone we know, right but sometimes just a two minute practice absolutely can be me- meaningful and draw us near to God in ways that we're not making space for right now
1: yep let me suggest one more focus practice um. We all are living our lives um, more and more uh, by looking at screens, our phones, our computers, our laptops. um, And um, a a standard feature of all of these digital devices is that you can choose a wallpaper, right? Yeah. And uh, why not during Advent? Identify and upload as your wallpaper some simple image that communicates to you the the territory and the themes of Advent.
0: Yeah, that's great. Um, I have so many people that I pastor that tell me they have a deep longing within themselves to be an active Christian in the place they work. And don't know how in the world to do that, uh, because they they don't want to cross lines, they don't want to upset their boss, they don't want to make their coworkers uncomfortable, and they live in this tension of saying how how do I um, how do I be Christian in the workplace? without uh, without being offensive or difficult to those around me. And I hear immediately like a work laptop that that has just a picture. Who yeah. knows what kind of conversations that can create? Who That's knows true. how that could recenter you after a difficult meeting? Um, yeah. Just and, and Christians have a long tradition of art being central to who we are. And so photography and um, paintings, all of these things are ways that we can Recenter just in a moment in a work day um, or you know or
1: on your phone if however it is yeah that's a, that's a great idea absolutely so that's something we that's a way we can bring uh, technology into the observance of advent rather than just allowing our technologies to pull us away from advent yeah yeah that's great <laughs> um, so that's that's kind of the f- Area of practice that I would, uh, emphasize is just find ways to every day in a simple one or two minutes to be able to focus. Yeah. A second area of practice that I think is really, uh, helpful during Advent time does, involves a little more thinking, but, but it can be done, um, it's actually best done with other people. And so this is, this is a great way for uh, friends or for families, people who are sharing a household together, uh, small groups uh, that may already be established within the life of the church. And this is to experience. And specifically to think about the themes of Advent that we've already been naming. So, every week of Advent, you take some time, again, preferably with other people, to ask this question. um, Where in my world, where in our world, is there a longing, a hungering, a desire for God. Where, where is it that we can really see, oh my, we really need God because it seems like God is not there the way we wish God would be. Yeah. you know So just honestly, frankly, vulnerably naming the gaps in our lives and in our world.
0: That's great. And and that goes back to um, what I was talking about in, in terms of my extroversion going to seminary. It, it had not occurred to me that the ability to speak of God like this hmm. was one of the practices that had been meaningful to me to growing closer. I, I was at church every time it was open. I had a job in sports and I always carved my schedule around going to church because I loved sitting around with people and talking about God. It had not occurred to me that that was a spiritual practice, that that was a way in which I could grow. Mm -hmm. I knew I liked this. And, And yet, this is why I loved seminary as well. The idea of opening a book and talking about it or debating a scripture or whatever, that seemed to me to be ancillary to the journey towards God. This, though, is one of those ways that I came to understand that. I struggle to sit in silence, but no, talking with friends about God and our longings for God is a spiritual practice. And as an extrovert, I was like, yeah, this is, this is not just a side interest, this theology yeah. stuff, but yeah. actually talking and diving together with friends who are like-minded and yearning for God is a right. way that I can grow
1: nearer to God. And we are living in a unique time of human history uh, that actually gives us opportunity to do this um, in some pretty profound ways. Um, I, I, Over these last few months, whether it's because of uh, the, the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, whether it's because of the growing awareness of racial injustice within our country, and, and the various kinds of protests that have uh, er, emerged from that, whether it's uh, the election, the presidential election we've just been through. Uh, in any of those three major scenarios, <laughs> you know, that have all kind of converged on us in 2020, I have heard more complaining over these past months than I can recall in any recent time. Um, and by complaining, I mean things like, I can't believe that fill in the blank. Yeah. Um, Yeah. oh my word. Why is it that I have to fill in the blank? Um, boy, I really wish things could be different in this way. That is, that's a normal kind of a human Way that we respond to difficult circumstances. What Advent invites us to do is to take that very natural human tendency that we have to look at what's going on in our circumstances and complain, (laughs) to take that and to bring it into more of a prayerful posture where we aren't simply talking to ourselves, but we're actually begin to talk to each other and talk to God about it, which then becomes what the psalmist calls lament.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's great a great, uh, great practice rooted in scripture, which, you know, I, I mean, I I think that's another thing that I, that I was raised with was you be real careful about complaining to God. God is Mm -hmm. not a sovereign. (laughs) Okay. Sure. Yeah. But right, right. Buried in scripture is, is whole sections, a whole book about, um, intentional lamenting to God. And man, that's, that's, that's a practice that we have lost so poorly. Um, I, I try to remind people fairly regularly, probably at least twice a year in my preaching, that that God found his people enslaved in, in Egypt, according to Exodus, because he heard their groaning. Yeah. N- not, not because they were praying prayers, not because their priests were uh, offering sacrifices on their behalf, but God decided to act because he heard their groaning. Yeah. And that tells me that groaning is an
1: effective prayer. <laughs> it is. Yeah. yeah. so say say one of the families in, you know, say uh, it'll be more than one several of the families in your church would have teenagers in the home, right? What, what might it look like as a part of a, a, a simple advent practice in the home, to give an opportunity for teenage kids to, to lament what they've lost? in their school experience this year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. To, 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 not, not just a whining and complaining, right? But, but to actually say, you know, your your voice of naming your losses is important. And we want to hear that. And let's raise that together before God. Yeah. Asking God to bring a better future. Because that's what, God's people Israel were doing for centuries, right? Yeah. Acknowledging yeah. that the world for them as a people was not turning out the way they thought it was going to be. And they wanted God to bring in a better, more hopeful, brighter future.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. I yeah. think there's many aspects of our life Uh, These days, in our families, in our schools, in our communities, in our nation, in our world, where we just wish for a better future than what we have right now, that longing and desire is exactly what Advent invites us to give time and space to get it out. Yeah, that's great, and um, and
0: what I like, we had a uh, child psychiatrist on this podcast a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about parenting through the pandemic. Ah. And she, she mentioned just this, not connected with a spiritual practice, but she said, you know, your kids have lost something. Let them, let them, t- let them talk about it and resist That's the true. urge to fix it. It's not your job to fix it. And you've taken this a step further. And and I really want to double this down for parents who are listening. Don't simply try to fix it for your kids. Nope. Um, you are not your child's Messiah. <laughs> right but teach them the practice of taking their longings and hurt and giving it to God, because that 's no matter how close we are to God, we may see ourselves as a marginal Christian or a great Christian. This is a practice we can hand our kids that when you 're hurting,
1: turn to God and be not afraid to yeah. tell the truth that 's right well and and I, I should mention here too um, again many many youth already know this, but um two great musical traditions that come from the African-American community can be a real, um, can be great tools during Advent. One, uh, the blues. Yeah. Yeah. So think about the, the blues as a musical genre that gets us in touch with deep feelings of sadness, hurt, longing, loss. And, and then the more current uh, is hip hop, which, which um, has become especially for younger generations and multiculturally oriented kids. Uh, hip hop gives voice to hard truths yeah. that often don't get spoken <laughs> um, about the, the real hardships of living life in this world. Yeah, absolutely. So so music can be a great uh tool for helping us with this advent focus. If we're willing, now now this is a challenge sometimes for those of us who are um used to being at church on regular basis where almost all the music that we're exposed to is praise songs. Right? Excellent. Which nothing wrong with praise songs uh but but that um- pr- pr- uh music of praise and and affirming all the good things that that is about naming the ways that God has already come, and that's an important part of our faith, but it's not the whole picture right right as as the apostle Paul reminded. Uh, the, the very first churches, um, God's presence with you, God's coming to the world, uh, God's recreating, making creation new. It's something that is both already happening, but not yet fully realized. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So praise music helps us to tap into the already aspect of our faith. And that's important, but uh lament uh the blues, <laughs> you know, that those kinds of uh musical streams remind us of the not yet aspect of our faith. And Advent is a like Lent in the spring, yeah, Advent is a time for the not yet. That's fantastic. And I, I've not made that.
0: Connection on my own in that way, but that's that's just brilliant. And so we've talked about some practices. We could do this all day, and I so appreciate <laughs> those practices. But I, I wanted to draw this to a close, talking particularly about the second week of Advent that we're just coming out of as this oh. is being listened to. And that week is talked about as the week of peace. We light the candle of peace. Um, the um, the scriptures that that we have for this Sunday that be preached on are about peace. Um, Here's how I struggle with that, and I struggle with this as a pastor, so I, I, I can't even imagine what, it, what it's like as someone who this is, this is maybe the second time they've ever seen Advent even practiced at their church. Mm-hmm. But what in the world do we mean by peace?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you know, Jesus is the prince of peace. I can accept that. Um, but I'm always caught between um, two different kinds of peace that I think I think people talk about interchangeably but they're often pointing to one or the other. And that is uh, peace in the world where, where there is an uh, you know, this, this, this longing for the day Christ will return and there will be no more wars. Mm-hmm. And then also this idea of inner peace where my life is at peace. Um, I have a hard time controlling peace in either of those regards. I am a victim of my circumstances far more than I wish that I was. My circumstances are not always battling in my favor, as much as I wish they were. And the idea of um, genocide ceasing and um, uh, angry tribes at each other and our our own military involvement, my dad was a military man and yeah. nothing, nothing as a child brought me as much grief or late nights as worrying that my dad would be called to war.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, this idea of controlling peace or even being an agent of peace seems so far beyond mm. my capacity, both internally and externally. And yet we talk about it as a Christian theme, and rightfully so, it's biblical, right? So what are we, in, in your estimation, what are we talking about when we talk about peace?
1: Yeah. So in, in light again with this important distinction between Advent and Christmas, they're not the same thing
0: right yeah you know
1: right yeah. uh, one of the temptations we have in the church is to use advent as an opportunity to just start christmas earlier yeah yeah right so we want to jump right to the already and and not stay with the uncomfortable tensions of being in the not yet so when it comes to peace and and really this is this is going to be true for for each of the traditional four themes right you've got hope peace uh what's joy love yeah. right so so by taking those four words and making them a focus in advent the focus is not so much on their fulfillment as our need of them because of their absence in our world. Oh, that's great. Right? So, so, so we long for peace because we don't have it. And, and like you say, it's not just something, you know, sitting there on a shelf. We just have to grab it. Um, the, the reality is that peace internally and externally is not within our simple control, and it's not going to be the result of automatic, natural human ways of being. We really need God <laughs> to be at work in us and among us as a community for peace to emerge. So the first step in being a peacemaker is to become honestly, I mean, brutally honest about the ways in which we are violent, because that that's that's what kills peace, right? Yeah, yeah. The, you know, uh, and and so um how am i how am i violent towards myself um how am i violent towards the members of my family and, and of course we're not just we're not just talking about um outward physical violence sure, yeah. although have, that is an point. issue and a problem in our culture yeah right? yeah
0: i don't have i don't have anyone who's been convicted of murder in my
1: in my right. congregation yet but but I can I can be violent with my words.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Um, I can be violent. Oh, you you talked about silence before. I can be violent with my silence.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And sometimes our words, like um, if if someone if someone stabbed me tonight, chances are I'd be pretty healthy in about six months. <laughs> and and yet. Um, as a pastoral counselor, I have people who are still processing words used by a parent 25 years ago. Yeah. Yep. So, um, so yeah, this is this is right on to understand violence not simply as physical,
2: right?
1: Um, and, and and so, you know, uh, the, the the dual focus of the Christian is is always. Paying attention to what's going on in my body, in my heart, in my mind, right? While at the same time, paying attention to what's going on in the world around me. Because there's always a connection between the two. So I I need God's peace in my own heart, in my own body. I mean, I need to become, I I read a wonderful quote just the other day. I need to become myself the peace that the world needs. Mm, yes. Right. right. Yeah. So so I've got my own violence that I need to work on. <laughs> but it's not just about, um it's not just about me becoming comfortable and at ease with myself as if that in and of itself is the end goal. I want to become more peaceable in myself so that I can help bring that peace to my neighbor. Yes, absolutely. Yes, that's great. And to the places of conflict in our world.
0: Yes, absolutely. And and one of the things that I think is so difficult about living in our age right now is uh, say you're reading a, a, a generic Old Testament text today and you hear a story of war. War, war, um, war was when war rolled into town in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I think is so disassociating for the human mind is to be aware of every conflict in the world because it's on our evening news. Mm-hmm. And there's no, end, there's no end to being involved in every murder in your city Every war in our world, every every act of newsworthy violence is brought to our living room. And so we are, I don't know if we're becoming um, more numb to it as much as we are like becoming so aware of it that ever doing anything about it seems monumental. Well, it can be paralyzing, right? Yeah, yeah and and so so it's it's really interesting to to just to think of this duel as this longing for peace, recognizing there's not peace and and bringing that you know first is lament saying this is this is not right like uh, Baltimore, the city where our news is from I, I live 20 miles outside of the city, but it's it's constantly setting records for murders right and you, you can either say Baltimore is dangerous, I'm never going there, but that doesn't seem like the right Christian disposition either, does it so how do we not become so affected that we say, oh, this is never going to get solved? Um, but, but also, I just think it's so great this way that you're tying it into Advent to say, what I know, God, is that this world is not right. And I long for the day that you'll expose us to peace
1: and then work from there. Yeah. And, and to, again, br- with brutal honesty, confess before God, I am a part of this world that is not right. In other words, one of the reasons why the world is not right is because I am not right. And and by that, I'm not saying you're a bad person or that you're not a person of worth. Every single human being in this world is a person of worth, deeply loved and valued by God. But we are all also broken. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And, and I think, I think too, that I find um, both in my own life and then others that I pastor as well, is that when we can come before God with that honesty of our sin, that brutal honesty that you're talking about, and we find that God doesn't operate in the way that our human relationships do, that we, we are not exposed before God in a way that makes us feel less like we might if we were to just walk up to our next door neighbor and confess all the ways we've been violent, Right. But with God, we confess and we expect to be treated the way that we treat each other. And what we get is grace and restoration. And even that makes this process all the more meaningful. Our honesty before God creates a different result and understanding of who we are to God than than continuing our practice of hiding our sin that we're Mm. so accustomed to doing. And God's grace is, is all sufficient.
1: So maybe Advent is a really good time as a part of that examination practice that I had mentioned earlier for for us. And again, this can be done with a friend, in our family groupings, in small groups, to be asking each other, um, what are are the places in the world that scare you? Uh, Who are the people, um, what are the situations where you're not sure that you can be safe? um to, to, to be able to begin to honestly name those and 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 name them then as these are places that need more peace and 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 i need peace to be able to view these places these groups of people these contexts and these situations as places that can express and become places marked by God's peace, God's shalom. Amen. And I certainly long for a church where we're able to have those
0: kind of conversations. I know. Um, I, I know many of us are, are are trying to reshape the church into a vulnerable place. Now, uh, one of one of my seminary professors used to say, "Don't confess to someone who can fire you." That's good wisdom too, right? Be careful who you're confessing to. Sure. But but um, being being able to uh, to talk seriously about the situation of of our lives and our world. Um, I, I think opens up the church to being the church in more ways that, that the New Testament envisioned us. And and my hope and my prayer is that seasons of Advent like this can can truly help us uh, examine and and grow new practices that, that draw us nearer to God and nearer to the heart of God that we would be his holy people. Mm. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining this conversation. I know um, even, even if no one else listens, I think people listen to this, but I, I have felt better about, about life and, and the practice of the Christian faith just by talking to you. So thank you for sharing from your heart and opening my eyes up to new ideas as well.
1: It's been a pleasure, Tim. Thanks thank for having me.
0: All right.
2: Thank you for joining us for Through Life's Crossroads. This has been a ministry of Crossroads Church with Pastor Jake and Pastor Tim. We encourage you to continue to engage with us online throughout the week on Facebook at Crossroads Church of the Nazarene and also on Instagram, Crossroads Naz Church. Thanks for joining us for this episode.